This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together, we are FNA Van Life. This is the podcast where every week we talk to nomads or share news from the nomadic community so you can know what it's really like to live life on the road. And I'll tell you what, it's pretty amazing. It does have its ups and downs, though. Today's guest is definitely sharing some interesting downs that you're not going to want to miss. Yeah, I mean, it gets wild. Talk about the Mexican experience that we didn't have. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like he's kind of the first person that we've met along our travels that's had a number of issues. And so he's going to get into all of that. But first, maybe we should do a little update from the road. Update from the road. Here we come, baby. We are in Guatemala, but now we've moved on to a new place. We are in Antigua. It is like pretty much the spot where you could see the majestic mountains here that well i shouldn't even say mountains i should say volcanoes Mm -hmm. and it's the spot where you come if you want to hike the volcano and see fuego in all its glory and at the same time we've had a lot of issues i want to reach out and say i love all the people in florida and wish them the best because the hurricane just hit and it really devastated the area that i used to live in if you want a way to possibly like donate or help out in some type of way hit us up on a dm on instagram and i could you know, possibly share some Venmos or something like that of some people that are down there helping out in this situation. Yeah, our heart goes out to everybody down there. We've also had a lot of stuff going on personally this week, so we're feeling, you know, that's another one of the downs of, you know, living on the road and traveling full-time is that life still happens. Yeah. And stuff still happens with families, stuff happens back home, stuff happens with your health, stuff happens with your dog's health and you kind of just have to like roll with the punches it's not all amazing all the time yeah so speaking of the dog's health Paco has been pretty sick the last almost a week now uh it's been I think six days since it all began and he started out with like a little bit of a limp and then it turned into you know him not eating or not being able to hold down water and throwing up and so yeah we we got him to a vet the first vet tried to help us out and it seems like he might have gave us the wrong possible thing and then we moved on to a new vet who has gave him an IV which stopped him from the vomiting but uh we're slowly introducing food back now because he's finally starting to take a little bit of food from us yeah so thank you everybody who reached out worried about Paco he is on the mend he's definitely still got a long way to go he's lost a bunch of weight this week yeah so we're just hoping that Things continue to improve, and we keep seeing positive signs in the right direction. Um, But so for now, just know that things are moving in the right direction, and thank you so much for all of your care and concern about Paco. Yeah, if we could just get him to poop, we'll be in the clear, I feel like. Frank's obsessed with Paco pooking right now. Anyways, you guys don't want to hear about that. You want to hear about what it's really like to travel in Mexico in a van, and to travel in a small van, and to travel with a friend. I feel like... This is kind of like 
a new genre for us here. We've had a lot of couples, we've had a lot of solos, but I think this is our first duo friend couple. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. The one friend is back home in the UK earning money right now. So today we're talking with Matt and we're gonna jump right into the conversation. Hope that you don't like hit a nail through while you're driving yeah, and exactly. then everybody gets sucked out. <laughs> <Just> right. <laughs> exactly. So I figured we could just jump into it because it's literally just, we'll yeah, be chatting. Yeah, um, yeah, cool. But so you want to just kind of recap what you were saying about building your van on the fly? <laughs> yeah, well, sure. So we, I was with my friend at the time, we flew from England to Vancouver and that was when we started looking for vans. Uh, we'd heard that British Columbia was just a good place to buy vans mm-hmm. for people from Europe and, uh, it didn't go too well because we went over to Alberta to get a van there first. And they have all these new rules, which we didn't know about, and we couldn't get insured on the van. Because like, of where you're from or because of, I don't know, like what was there, the rule? Yeah, there was just basically, they didn't they didn't count our British driving license as like local. Oh. We need to do all this special stuff. And they said that we'd have to give up our license or we had to pay loads of money to get the van insured. So... After like searching for a week in Alberta, we ditched it, went back to British Columbia, and that's where we found this old school van, <laughs> which was a lot older than what we were expecting, but it, the engine was good and the people were really lovely who we met, and so yeah. we bought the van, and then um, yeah, the first thing for us to do was to drive to the Arctic Circle before winter hit. Because it was already October. Oh no, so you really had to buggy. So we, we were like, okay, well, it's going to be snowing up there already, so we've got to get there as fast as possible and just hope we can make it up to the top before you know, before it just gets completely covered in ice. And yeah. With the ice and snow coming, describe like what your van is, and like so that way the people listening could get an understanding of what you're driving in into this like snowstorm, yeah. basically. In Alaska. Yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> so it's a 1993 Chevrolet G20. So like quite a lot of vans, it's a cargo van, mm-hmm. but ours is bright red, which we quite like because it's actually quite an unusual color for mm-hmm. a van, I think. Um, but yeah, the it's very basic. It's rear wheel drive, two wheel drive. Um, the tires are pretty good, but they're not snow tires. <laughs> so they're not properly equipped for the cold weather. And uh, yeah, the interior is, is again, pretty basic, just like wood paneling and there's a bed in there. We put in, we had a, a two days to put in a, like shelves and a, get a stove and that kind of thing so we could cook and eat and all that sort of stuff. And uh, we decided to name the van Chili. Uh, cool. Chili because of the bright red color, mm-hmm. and, you know, chili pepper. chili pepper. Yeah, and then also Chili because that's where we're going to be finishing up the trip cool. in uh, South America. And then also we laughed that because we were always freezing cold inside, so we were always like chilly. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like the final thing, like because we took a couple of weeks deciding what to call it. I'm gonna then... add something to it. It kind of gives you that red hot chili pepper vibe. Yeah, too, you know, like the band. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They're like one of my favorite bands as well. So yeah, all yeah. of these things came together, and we were like, okay, chili. It's just I feel like you have, you know, the name comes to the van, right? Yeah, you know, of course, hundred yeah. percent. Uh, so, like, you obviously have an accident, uh, an, an accident, you obviously have an accent, mm-hmm. uh, where are you from? Yeah, I'm from the UK, and, uh, so England, and my friend who I was, well, we started the trip together, both from the UK, and this was like, we're doing this massive trip from, well, it was originally meant to be Alaska to the bottom of South America, but because America was still closed from covid we decided to do the top of the canadian arctic to the bottom of south america so that, cool. that was our trip plan so we flew over from the uk to vancouver and then yeah 
So you and a friend were supposed to be doing the travel the whole way through together? Or are you like trading off like, uh, or at times doing the road trip together? Uh, we were planning on doing the full trip together, but it was a lot more expensive than what we thought. Okay. And we've been saving up for about two years, but that two-year budget pretty much ran out in nine months. Uh-oh. Wow. And I work remotely, but my friend doesn't. Mm. So he had to go back to England for four months to work and build up money. And mm. then now he's coming back out again. So okay. it's a pretty small van to be, like, mates in. <laughs> yes, you know? it is. Like, it would be small to be, like, in a couple, to be, like, cuddling, yeah. you know, in the cold weather. I know, everyone says that, and it's, it's a nightmare. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. But, I mean, it works out because he's one of my oldest friends, so he's almost like a brother. So mm-hmm. if I could share a van with anyone, it'd probably be him. Like, you can put up with each other, but... Yeah, it does get a bit tiresome. You, you two have definitely gotten closer <laughs> in one way or another. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's no, awesome. Just, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous, but uh, yeah. Well, they do say that like you get the van so that you can live outside of the van. Yeah. And so I feel like, especially with a smaller van like that, like, are you looking for... Like, right now we're parked outside of a hostel, so, you know, you have, like, shared communal mm. facilities and, you know, the shower and stuff like that. Or are you trying to be more off-grid, like, only in the van and, you know, like, what's yeah. your kind of sl- preferred sleeping arrangements, I guess, or campsites? Well, the big aim for us was doing national parks and hiking so a lot of america and canada was awesome because you could just really park anywhere all these amazing wilderness areas for hiking Mm -hmm. so the off-grid stuff was great there but generally we found when you're going into cities it's that that's when you've got to be parking in kind of places that aren't as nice maybe like car parks or levi's or sort of the boondocking that's what they call it mm-hmm. um yeah like the the street camping type yeah of deals. and so i think we realized quickly that if you're going into town cities that's a good place to stay at a hostel or you know a guest house you can meet other people you can get your own room or whatever if you want sometimes we do like a and b an apartment if you just wanted to chill out for a week and mm-hmm. get work done or relax outside mm-hmm. of the van so that was definitely like the urban areas are like the good places to meet people and then the nature spots, wild camping, doing hiking and stuff like that. Being being from across the pond too, like you could easily jump in a van and do basically the whole like all of Europe if you wanted to. What what was the reason to come to the United States, Canada, and mm-hmm. travel all the way down to Pan America, all the way down to Chile? Yeah, I think honestly it was I just wanted to come up with an adventure that was like the biggest thing I could conceive something that you know was only limited by my own imagination Mm -hmm. because during the whole time being in the UK and COVID and I just wanted to do something that was really different I I feel like I've traveled a bit in Europe and I wanted to go somewhere different and then I heard about this Pan American Highway longest road in the world and the idea of just driving from the top of North North America to the bottom of South America was like an incredible expedition I just thought that's it (laughs) that's the one I want to do like more of an expedition adventure type rather than kind of chilling around Europe, I guess. So you're almost like halfway there. You know, we're yeah. in Guatemala now, which means that we're not that far from, you know, crossing over to South America. Exactly. So that like, has it lived up to the hype that you were thinking of? Is it like, like what you played out in your mind and in your head, is it similar, different? Like what, what have you worked up since then? I think I found... Uh 
there are definitely some things that were as I expected, and those were kind of like the nice moments. You know, there were there were times when I was like dreaming about driving down the Californian coastal roads and just like listening to Neil Young or whatever, and then you got the waves and the sun, and those moments happen. And you're like, this is this is amazing. This is the this dream. Is and then there are other times that are really unexpected. I think I actually I wasn't expecting how hard it was to live in the van. I actually thought I'd adjust to it easier because I do a lot of camping, a lot of hiking. I was like, oh, I can rough it. I'm sure I can do this, but. Our van's pretty basic, and so not having shower, bathroom, and cooking really basic food, like our cooking setup is pretty small, and it's like just a little gas stove. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that probably harder than I was expecting. That's mm. definitely... Because I actually think there's quite a big... Um, you get this impression that van life can be really luxury, but I feel like that actually still quite costs quite a lot of money to, mm. to really kit out your van and get it good like that. And... For me, I was on a more limited budget and I thought, okay, actually, this is pretty uncomfortable when you kind of do it basic and you rough it a bit more. So that was a bit of a surprise, I think. Um, I think also Mexico was a bit of a shock as well. <laughs> <to the system. laughs> yeah, it kind of seems like you had a much different uh, experience. experience in Mexico than yeah. we did, per se. Cause... Well, also, you went... So everybody says when you're going to Mexico, the best thing to do is to come in through Baja and then go all the way to the bottom of Baja, take the ferry across, and skip the entire top section of Mexico. The dangerous part. The skip the dangerous part. Yeah. Right, <laughs> and so you took a slightly alternative route yeah. by going directly into the dangerous part. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, that was... <laughs> if you're about to take yourself on the journey, and you're worried about leaving your 9-to-5 job and losing your insurance, we have the perfect insurance for you. Safety Wing is insurance for nomads. It's a global travel medical insurance that covers people from all over the world. You tell them where you're going to be traveling, and they have a plan for you. It's super affordable and can be purchased while you're already abroad and covers home trips and visits and operates like a monthly subscription. It's time to take the fear out of being on the road and getting sick. It's time to put yourself underneath their wing and get the safety you need. Click the link below to get affordable global health insurance today. That was a bit of a mistake because um, we, yeah, everyone goes down the Pacific coast, right? And then they drop down to Baja. That's what people do. But because the America portion was a really big part of the road trip that I've been dreaming about. So I wanted to do three months in America and it was going to be one month Pacific coast highway, one month in the desert, one month deep south. Mm-hmm. So by the time we were over in Louisiana, Alabama... I mean, Baja, Pacific Coast is thousands of miles away. And, and Texas, very much in gas, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It'd be too expensive to drive back. And we just got the Texas border crossing there. And so we're thinking, well, <laughs> let's just cross down this side instead and uh, make our way down through northern central Mexico, which, uh, yeah, ended up being a bit of a mistake. <laughs> That's like cowboy coyote area, you know what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying? Yeah. That's, yeah, Wild West, yeah. Yeah, Wild West. Like, if you have a picture of a place that feels like the Wild West in, like, New- the United States, it's the border of Mexico and Texas. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> um, so you went into Monterey then, right? Correct? Yeah, so we crossed in uh, Nuevo Laredo, which is, unfortunately, it's, I think the state is called... Tamapulias, it's something like that. My pronunciation is not great, but that is unfortunately the cartel own that state. Mm-hmm. And there's the the t- town Nuevo Laredo sits in that state. Then there's like a 30, 40 kilometer gap 
to when you get to the next state, which is meant to be more safe. Mm-hmm. So what happened is the day we crossed into Nueva Laredo, uh, we had to get a police escort from the border to get us to the toll road to get safely through this town. Is that for everybody? Like, anybody crossing there that's not local? No, so we didn't know that this was a thing. And we crossed over the Rio Grande and we get into Nueva Laredo and we're filling out the paperwork and stuff. And some guy comes up to me and says, he's an American guy, but he, or he lives in California, but he's Mexican. And he says, you shouldn't be driving through this town alone. And I'm just, I'm just, just thinking, sweating. I was like, I've just arrived. And he goes, what you should do is you should park over there and follow me because I'm taking the police escort, which is something they offer. And I don't know if I can trust this guy. I don't know if this is, they're just going to take me out to the desert and rob me. Uh-huh. I'm thinking, is, is this the thing that I shouldn't be doing? And uh, I just decided to trust him. You know, you've got to follow your instincts sometimes. And I had an intuition that he was a pretty sound guy. Mm. And yeah, it, it proved to be a good choice because then we just followed him and the police car. Was just t- it was just two of us with the police car. It just took us straight to the toll road. And then the police car peeled off and we joined the Got toll road. The yeah. So as you were driving behind this police car, mm. do you remember like what it was like around you? Did it feel dangerous? Did it feel unsafe? Yeah, well, there was a lot of activity in Nueva Laredo that day because... The day before, they'd just unmasked the cartel grave, which had 22 cartel members in it. And it's a bit graphic, but they'd been wrapped in barbed wire and burnt alive. Oh, Holy smokes. Yeah. So I'd read about this on the news the night before we crossed. And so there were loads of fire engines and police cars all around the city. There was roadblocks and there was smoke going up. And it was very, it's very like cement, dusty cinder blocks, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Sirens really, and lights. Yeah. Really and, run down. Oh. I hate to say it, but it is that kind of... It's what you see in like the Hollywood movies of like the the bad kind of Mexico. It really did yeah. feel like yeah. that. Um, yeah, I mean there are very bad parts of Mexico, and mm. we're pretty aware of those parts. When we hear the news, when we hear the things about Mexico, yeah. you're talking about towns or cities like this in particular. Exactly, and I think that I've done quite a lot of travels. So I think I've been to uh, forty five countries now. And I sort of had, try to give benefit of the doubt to places. And if people say that they're bad or don't go there, you know, I generally kind of be like, OK, well, I'll be careful and be safe, but I want to sort of see it for myself. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that when, when I crossed through in that, in that area of Mexico, I was like, OK, this is a bad area. Yeah. Like, I hate to say it, but yeah. <laughs> You're like, I don't need to see this for myself anymore. Yeah. But yeah. so then instead of just like hightailing it, you decided to go hiking and camping yeah, so we got to Monterey, <laughs> which was three hours south, and we probably should have just kept going. I mean, driving six, seven hours that day, but uh, we decided to stay in Monterey, and because uh, there there are nice national parks around there, and mm-hmm. uh, you know some people say they're good, you can go to them, and we decided that we should probably visit one of these national parks because you know we wanted to do our first uh-huh. hike in Mexico, <laughs> but it's a different game hiking <laughs> in Mexico. So yeah, we get to the national park and. Um, it's this very like dry, dusty national park, and we camped in this creek bed. Um, but you know, there were kind of cars going through and stuff. It was sort of cyclists, and it was sort of busy. Uh, but we weren't in a proper contained campground or anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, that night it was around nine, nine thirty. Um, we were sleeping, and I just hear footsteps around the van, like on all sides. And the front two doors were locked, but the side one wasn't. And so I just leant forwards and. 
turn the latch. I just had this really bad feeling about hearing those steps. Well, and you're not like uh, electronic door locks, right? No, so you actually manual. have to reach over and lock it yourself. Yeah, that's how old the van is. It's all manual stuff, yeah. And um, at that moment, all three doors, like the handles just go and they're trying to wrench the doors open and lights are coming in. And I sit up and look through the window and to the right, there's a guy in a full flak jacket with a balaclava all in black with an assault rifle across his chest. Oof. He's got a uh, skull and crossbones patch on his uh, chest, and it's yeah, like so a Mexican dripping skull or whatever. Oh yeah, God, so you know, yeah. you know for a fact it's not the military, it's, not police, it's, it's some not police. bandit or cartel, maybe cartel. Maybe, yeah. And yeah, then they were on the other side, there was another guy dressed similar, again, like full military uniform, but he had all these sort of bandanas and things wrapped around both of his arms, kind of like, I don't know. His like tags or whatever, like colors, yeah. Yeah. whatever missions or whatever he's been on, probably is what they are correlating to. Exactly. Or, yeah. Um, and then there was one guy who didn't have his face covered. And he sort of had more of like a police uniform on. But the problem is that you can buy all this stuff from the markets. Like mm. if you go around the markets of Mexico, you can you, know, you can find all the equipment for like police uniform, or army surplus gear and stuff. So mm. this guy could have been you know fake who knows what he was but mm -hmm. he was dressed slightly differently and they were just shouting abre abre it was like open open like trying to get us to open the doors mm -hmm. just kept saying no like i'm the no so i was i was thinking i'm not gonna open the door unless they point the gun at me and then yeah. i'll have no choice but they didn't point the gun they just kept shouting abre and uh we didn't know what they wanted obviously there was like a language barrier mm -hmm. i was just basically trying to <laughs> just calm the situation down and just sell tell them you know i'm a tourist I'm from England, like, I'm, I'm not here doing anything wrong, but I'm, I'm, I just kept saying, like, Inglaterra, Inglaterra, like, um, no tiendo, um, basically, I don't understand what you're asking me to do. Yeah. And um, eventually, I kind of just went crazy. I was just like, oh, you know, uh, I'm on, like, a road trip. I started miming. I was like, road trip, <laughs> like, surfing in Mexico, like, I'm, I'm from England, you know, like, football, like, Manchester United. Yeah. Literally, I was just saying anything to get through that I was just, like, a dumb tourist, basically. Yeah, yeah. And... Then the guy just goes, okay, okay, and tells me to stop. And then he just, like, he looks at the other two guys and looks back at us and goes, like, okay, dos hombres in there? And we're like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, Inglaterra points to both of us. We're like, yeah. And it's like, tourismo points to both of us. We're like, yeah. And then they just, he just, like, looks at the other guy's shrug and they just melt into the darkness and disappear. Wow. And... Did you, like, let me ask you a question. How many times did you and your friends shit your pants? <laughs> this is the funny thing, like... <laughs> I think it, I was, like, so focused on the moment that I really, like, all the fear came after. And I, after it happened, that's when I started shaking or whatever. Like, uh -huh. well, at the time, it was it was just so unbelievable that it was happening. Your adrenaline is probably yeah. That I didn't roof. really even have a time to think about the consequences of if I open the door, are they going to rob us? Are, they could kidnap us because yeah. people get kidnapped on that border. Uh -huh. You know, carjacking, anything could happen. But all those thoughts came after, sort of. Um, this and then, yeah, one. I mean, obviously, I'm still, you know, I'm then thinking I need to get out of here. I, this this isn't safe, this area. But, you know, rule number one, as we all know, in Mexico, don't drive at night. No. That's just crazy. And um, we had to. So I back the van up. And because I'm shaking, I back into a rock because it's this really rough <laughs> car park. I don't see it behind me and I just hear this scraping sound. I get out and there's a rock. It's just cr crumpled the license plate and it's nearly pierced the gas tank. It's about a couple inches oh. from the gas tank. I'm just so head in my hands. I'm like, oh, I can't believe this is happening to me. Day two or whatever it is in Mexico. 
So get back in the van and manage to get off the rock, drive down just a tiny bit to get out of the national park, and then we like, and we just park on, under this headlamp on the like highway just for the night, just somewhere Holy to sleep. Shit! <laughs> it's like welcome to Mexico. Oh yeah, I mean you got a you got a proper welcoming oh. or a very improper welcoming, I guess, yeah. which, whichever one you think it might be. I feel be. like for a lot of people that would be a welcoming that would scare them away from continuing or you know mm. wanting to get out of there really quickly. But clearly, it's been some time. And we're now in Guatemala, so you've continued the adventure. And you made it all the way through Mexico. Yeah. yeah. Was there any other mishaps, like, while going down through Mexico? Yeah, there were. I think there was definitely something unfortunate about our trip in Mexico. I feel like we got more unlucky than a lot of other people have I've met. Mm. In fact, I haven't really met anyone who's had more bad issues um, or worse issues than we had. I don't know why. Um, but we, we had the usual stuff of... Lots of times getting stopped by police. Mm-hmm. I think you guys had this issue as well. Yeah. Asking for bribes. And um, we managed to get away by just always not speaking Spanish to them. Just pretending, again, just that we spoke English. We were dumb tourists. We're like, don't mm-hmm. understand, don't understand. And they're always like hassling you, asking for money, harassing you, stuff like that. For the, mo- I mean, one thing is you have a very bright red van. So it's very mm-hmm. noticeable. Like red is, yeah. a, is a color of attention. So immediately eyes get pulled to it. I but wonder- we also have a map painted on the side of our van showing mm-hmm. our full route, which makes it even more obvious that we're tourists. Yeah. Right. I remember when we were coming out of Mexico City, uh, I remember us going past a roadblock. The guy on the right let us go through. And then the guy on the left, I see him recognize the map on the side of the van and then he runs after us and starts waving and then they pull us over and you know at first they're trying to find issues with our paperwork but there yeah. weren't any issues so it was like yeah. it was fine and then uh and then eventually they just start looking at each other and they just start asking for us mon- asking for money anyway and we just kept saying no guys come on no and they just kept pushing kept pushing it was Semana Santa, so it was like big Easter week, and I, I think they were really bored and just wanted to mm. like, because they were kind of laughing at us. It, mm. it was really strange. And then after we just said no, they fist bumped and let us go. Yeah. Very strange, the fist bump. Mm. After yeah. They've just not trying to... Trying to shake it down, yeah. and they're like, buddy, what's up? Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, I wonder, I wonder if it had anything to do with the fact that it's like two men in the car or something? Like maybe like... Because I'm assuming that most of the people that have been shaking you down, I don't want to, like, gender profile, Mm. but I'm assuming that it's all men pulling you over and, you know, so maybe it's, like, more of, like, a macho thing. Where, like, if Frank and I, it's kind of like, oh, they're a couple, it's, you know, like, like, I don't know, more, like, whereas you two might be drug runners or, you know, I don't know. In that case as well, yeah, it was four of them, two men, two women. And the women didn't ask, it was the men who were asking for money. So just in that case, I guess maybe that makes sense. But yeah. For the most part, like anytime we ever came across police or anything, they would like wave us through or like, Mm. no, no worries, like keep going. Like Mm -hmm. we never really had any issues with the police. Even when we had the Mexico City whole thing go down, they're actually pretty nice. But realistically they might have actually been people that mm-hmm. bought the uniforms yeah. from because like they weren't in a car that's the they, scary thing you they, don't they, like, know us do down you? and stopped us they did have all these official badges and everything like they looked like police officers but like now if you keep driving do you get pulled over by the actual cop car mm. you know and like they had official book on them where they like flipped through and like showed us where we made our mistake with the license plate yeah and i'm like 
shit, they did try getting a hell of a lot of money, and we were like, yeah, the, fuck you. For that, the license plate stuff in Mexico City, it's yeah. crazy how much they ask. Like, hundreds and hundreds of dollars, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. like... They started with 7,000 pesos, which is, like, 350 bucks, US dollars. Yeah. But is weird about it is when I looked it up, it said it should be anywhere from, like, 100 pesos to 5,000 pesos max. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what you're driving. So, obviously, they were, like... They looked at the van, they are like, oh, they got... They're American and Canadian, like, they got money, like, let's get what we can. Mm-hmm. You know, but we were, like... we. I was, like, I have 200 pesos on me. Like, if you want that, you can have it. But that's all you're going to get. Yeah, that's that's a good trick that we learned as well. Because uh, sometimes when they would search us, they'd search our wallets, search the front. And if you have lots of money on you up front, that's very obvious, then they'll try yeah. and extort you, I think, even more. So I would always put money, like, away when mm-hmm. we'd be driving and just have smaller amounts of cash. Yeah, like, we've never even got searched or, like, yeah. told to get out of the vehicle. See, I thought because we had a really old, bad van, <laughs> I wouldn't get searched as much. I'd be yeah. like, we'll slip right through, but no. <laughs> no, no. Well, uh, so... Uh, I think when they see our van, they think they're, like, for sure... I guess you're, for sure, a tourist, too. I don't know. Mm, it's yeah, strange. but I think they yeah. look at ours and they get kind of confused because they're like, is that, like, military? Because <laughs> it does have, like, the hard paint job yeah, on it. And it's, like, super green. Mm-hmm. People love to just, like, rub their they like hands to touch on it. our van. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, just, really like, random... Odd. Like, we'll be at a gas station and random people will come over and just start touching the van. And they're really? like, hello! <laughs> and I will say that, like, uh, people will talk about, like, oh, they'll, they'll, like, catch on to where you're going or whatever, and then that's when these things happen. But um, we never really stay in a spot too long either. So, like, we're there maybe a day or two, and then we're out, Mm -hmm. and we're moving on. So, like, I think that's another thing we had an advantage of, of, like, we just kept moving. And any time we were to stay somewhere, we either stayed, like, if we would continue to move on, we would sleep at, like, a Walmart parking lot and then move on. Or we would sleep at, like, in front of, like, happened to be a friend in the area, and we would stay, like, in front of their apartment, you know, or something along those lines. And then also RV spots and campgrounds. But we were always kind of constantly moving, I feel like. And I feel like that kind of might might have helped us out a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, the, the problems didn't really stop there, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, we got to hear more of these. <laughs> if you want to hear more. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, the, we also had a problem in uh, our van got robbed as well. And, um... I'm, unbelievably in Puerto Escondido in Oaxaca which in my opinion was the safest of all the sta- states we went to in Mexico mm. uh, which we we loved as well but uh, yeah it got robbed in the Chedrai which is one of the, the biggest supermarket chains and yeah there was again I just felt there was something really dodgy about what went down there because there was a security guard who was standing in the corner and who was watching and there were police who were parked outside of the supermarket and were there within 30 seconds to help us. There were more guards and cameras near the door, but they somehow didn't see anything from the van. And uh, we were only in there about 10 minutes just getting drinks and I think ice, like beers. We were going to like a beach or something that mm-hmm. night. And uh, yeah, and they, they just they jammed something into the door and broke it open. I think they must have spotted us coming in and seen the license plate seen it was or, or seen that it was a canadian american van mm-hmm. and i like, targeted us that way yeah because uh, it was so fast the robbery and you said they got like laptops and electronics and stuff like that yeah exactly so we had some stuff that was saved because we just 
have lots of different hiding places in the van, but the things that were on there were more on show uh, yeah. or, or that were just easier to access, you know, that were maybe like down the side and like a, a more obvious cubby or whatever. Mm-hmm. Those kind of things were taken. Uh, but we didn't lose the most important stuff, I guess, passports and cash and mm-hmm. my camera. Yeah. What's it? Puro Escondido to me gave me a vibe of like, we're not going to hurt you, but we might rob you. Yeah. You really? Yeah. Like when we were there and remember we were going to pull up to the one beach. It was like the only beginner surfing oh, beach. Oh yeah. Uh, because we want to catch some waves there and Puerto Escondido is known as the Mexican pipe, the Mexi pipe. Mm-hmm. So like they're known to have like a crazy wave this time of the year, like minimum 10 feet basically. But is... then we read some iOverlander reviews that were like, oh, like our... RV got robbed while we were, like, out on the beach in broad daylight. Yeah. And I was like, I don't really feel comfortable, like, camping and sleeping here. And we drove drove back there, and we, you know, I was like, "Eh, I don't know. And I was just like, I don't feel comfortable here. And one thing that we always say to each other is if either one of us don't feel comfortable, we're out. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. immediately leave that spot. And, like, as much as I wanted to surf that spot, I was like, there'll be another place I could surf. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. So we moved on, and we... Went to another beach, you know, where it was more uh, like you park on the street and you just like walk down. It was on the open, kind of. But then even then, we only spent one night in Puerto Escondido because the music was so loud and it just like felt like more of like a party scene. But then we have, we met a girl a couple weeks ago named Hannah and she's been living in Puerto Escondido for months and she Mm -hmm. loves it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so everyone has different experiences. It's so funny Mm -hmm. that like everyone's experience is so different and like your experience, you're probably never going to think of Puerto Escondido very (laughs) warmly, you know. And even Mexico in a big general sense, like I'm sure that you had your moments of loving it, but you've had so many like of these touch and go moments that it's, it's dampered your view on what it, what it is really could be. Yeah. That's been a really hard part of it actually, because as I said, I've done quite a lot of traveling and I'm a pretty like safe, secure traveler. I really don't take that many risks and I haven't had that many problems like in any countries I've been to before. And because I just kept getting problems happening in Mexico, like, I could not believe it. I was just thinking, what am I doing wrong? How am I this unlucky? How can this keep happening? I thought mm. I thought I was kind of responsible and knew how to look after myself. Mm. I just feel completely out of my depth in this van don't feel safe why, why can't I do anything right uh, and that was something that was almost really processing in my head the whole time that this maybe traveling in the van was, made, was what made it so different because in previous trips I've never done van it's just mm. been trains buses backpacking mm-hmm. Interesting. and the extra responsibility of the van may have been what has caused me some of these issues but then you know as we said different experiences it's sad because so many people say that the van is the freedom Mm -hmm. and you get all these great experiences from a van as well Mm -hmm. which has been the case for us in other countries but something about mexico was just really unlucky let me ask you this uh obviously i see i could your windows in the front aren't tinted correct no but the windows in the back are yeah Uh, i don't think any of our windows are tinted uh were any of your stuff possibly like left out where you could like look in and see you know Mm -hmm. your electronics uh, because you said you have a very basic build. So yep. are things like, you know, like you look in our van and you don't see really anything, right? Yeah. Like you, you can't even look through the the side windows cause it's so dark. Yeah. But like, like you see a fridge, you know, and then you mm-hmm. see cushions mostly. Yeah. Well, that's again, 
that was the real kicker because we're so careful as well. Mm. So we would always be trying to hide our stuff, not put it on view, you know, not have many electronics or flashy things. Mm. And it just so happened that that day we'd been staying somewhere for about 10 days and we'd really slowed down. And that was the first day back on the road. And my friend left his backpack in the kind of, main area mm-hmm. and that would probably have been enough yeah. just for someone to see a backpack to know the backpacks where you keep valuables well and yeah. it's easy to just like pinch a backpack exactly yeah. Yeah, like pop so, it open take it and whatever you get you get and it might have just been that one thing that they looked through the window saw the backpack and was like that's enough to break in yeah um and it was just that we got maybe com- too comfortable and mm-hmm. uh i don't know and yeah that, that could have been it i think mm-hmm. sometimes too like when you're traveling like a dark cloud kind of follows you for a little while. Like when At moments. It, yeah, like we've had times where like it just seems like one thing after the other after the other. We're just, having one of those moments kind of in this last like week or two for mm-hmm. us right now. Yeah, like you know? Paco getting sick and then we're worried about all our friends and family in Florida. Kind of stuck then, in a spot where we couldn't get out of and mm-hmm. almost We literally wall. got stuck like yeah. in the mud. Like our yeah. van was completely like we slept on probably like a 40 degree angle. Yeah. Because our van was just like super stuck. Stuck. My uncle died, the hurricane comes and hits, like, my family slash residential area that I grew up in, Uh, like, so family and friends lost their homes and stuff, and, like, it's just this moment of, you know, things kind of hovering over you, and you feeling like that you're caught up in it, you know, you're caught up in this trap, but, I mean, it always, it always goes away, you know, the, the storm settles, and the sun comes out, and you find a, a beauty, or like a learning uh, thing in it all, you know, like a silver lining, I guess you could say. Yeah, and also I think if you just kind of step back and realize what you're doing, the bigger picture is that, you know, lots of people would probably be wanting to do the kind of trip that you're doing and that, mm-hmm. you know, yes, there are bad moments and that's going to come with the territory of mm-hmm. doing a trip like this, but mm-hmm. overall, you know, we're lucky to be doing stuff like this, so... So let me ask you this for like, I think getting robbed is something that people are really worried about when they're Mm -hmm. traveling. What were like your next steps that you did to like, you know, try to rectify the situation or like insurance or like, how does that work? Yeah. So that I, I think the big shame as well was that we didn't have insurance for any electronics. Um, we had our health insurance and that kind of thing, but, uh, so we lost, uh, some electronics, which didn't get back. So our next step after that was that I bought, insurance for my valuables um because i just didn't want this to happen again and then after that we uh bought an alarm for the van as well so like a super loud sonic alarm because the you know the van's old and it there may even happen that someone tries to break in again mm-hmm. but if in that case in a busy supermarket a super loud alarm goes off that's just that extra protection mm-hmm. plus the alarm is has a fob on it so going back to the earlier story if those guys have been trying to break into the van in monterey i could have pressed the fob on the like there's an sos button and mm-hmm. it just sets off this really loud alarm which could be enough to you know scare, scare people them, off yeah. and it was that kind of thing that i think do- does help and um again what i learned from the monterey experience of with those guys in the mountains was that after that i was it was really all campsites in mexico mm-hmm. i didn't didn't want to do any wild camping or boondocking like I'd done in the US and Canada. I just yeah. thought, okay, Mexico, Central America, I'll be more in campsites, like mm-hmm. more controlled areas. And um, yeah, just more careful with 
you know, your valuables, and I guess it was pretty hard to avoid the <laughs> Chedrai robbery, but uh, aside from getting, like, whole new locks, which we haven't done. Mm -hmm. so. Or, like, one goes into the store and the other guards the car yeah. or something like that, you know? Well, that's been, the, that was my worry. So when my friend went back and I had to do the next um, two months by myself, I sort of thought, okay, I'm going to have to handle these problems by myself, and now I need to look after the van alone as well. So that it's it's been a bit more stressful uh, being by myself. But when he did leave and you were by yourself, did things change? Did they like you stop getting robbed? Did you stop like having these situations mm -hmm. occur? Or cross the border and then Guatemala has yeah. been amazing, you know? Yeah, that's been quite remarkable. I, I've actually had an incredible time. <laughs> I haven't had left. any issues whatsoever. And my friend is like, am I just a bad omen? Am I bad luck? <laughs> well, you'll find so, out soon. Yeah, yeah, he's coming back next week. So Oh no! <laughs> I'm um, but yeah, so coming down through Cancun and and Playa del Carmen, Tulum, all that, and then into Belize and into Guatemala, it's just been amazing. Awesome. So I feel like there there were some areas that obviously was more unlucky, but now these countries have, or these regions have been so good. So I haven't had any problems at all, even okay. border crossing alone and stuff. Which is wild to think because actually a lot of the things that you see on iOverlander is you actually see more of these like robberies and like these like warnings on iOverlander down south of Mexico, I feel like, compared to them what we saw in Mexico mm -hmm. per se. Granted we did take a very um like scheduled like route in the like sense of like we looked like... we looked at what the American embassy said on like where not to travel. Yeah, and then we, I like, actually did marked... that as well. And I knew that yeah, I knew that I was going through some of the red zones. Yeah, so I was like, yeah. oh no. <laughs> so we like purposely avoided almost all in any red zone that we absolutely could. Yeah. So I think that's one of the reasons why we, you know, probably came out with way less scenarios mm -hmm. of uh like these bad situations because there are states like you were talking about earlier there are states that are like cartel owned yeah you know the cartel is the reason for them making money in any type of way in some of these states you know so that's their their government in a sense it may be an old mistake that we were trying to see too much as well we mm -hmm. sometimes think that you know a lot of people they stick to the pacific coast it's mm -hmm. mainly just you know oaxaca chapas and out mm -hmm. and we sort of thought were we trying to fit in too much were we trying to see northern Mexico as well mm. as central? And really, we shouldn't have done that, you know, because I think when you have the van, you think you want to see everything, whereas we really need to pick and choose stuff. Mm -hmm. And what we should have done is thought, like like you said, mm -hmm. Alex, we should have just gone straight down and skipped all of that to go, go somewhere safe or to the coast, and we wouldn't have had the same problems. But, but we were like, we didn't But have, then you wouldn't have wouldn't the have same story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The stories. <laughs> I agree. The, story, <laughs> the stories are good. <laughs> they're good in their life experiences. They're moments that show you that even as hard times could be, you know, you could get out of them. Mm -hmm. You know, you could survive them. Like, and I'm sure there's quite a few other people who have been in the similar shoes as you and are telling the stories today. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the reason why the news, you know, appears in a lot of the time, you know, because yeah. the people were alive to tell the story, Yeah, you know. So, like, you could be the forewarning for the next person that possibly wants to go to, say, Monterey yeah. and camp on a riverbed. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a secure area. It, it did feel strange it, because it was hard to justify it to my family as well uh -huh. because they were so, you know, I, I felt like I'm putting myself in this situation and I'm making myself, you know, in a dangerous situation. 
and that when the bad things were happening i was sort of thinking i don't have to be doing this kind of why am i doing it mm-hmm. but i think you know as we touched on it's, it is definitely the ups and the downs and then you come up and you get those amazing moments you camp by a beautiful beach whatever you meet those great people and you think okay these are the good moments but yeah <laughs> definitely does have the ups and downs i think so what are you doing while you travel while you do this travel you said you do some digital work what type of work is that yeah, so I'm a, I'm a journalist um, and content writer. I guess they're slightly different things. Um, so I did a... Uh, I actually studied biology at university, which was completely different, but I've always loved writing. And I wrote on the side for years, and then I eventually decided that after finishing uni, I, I just didn't want to be a scientist. <laughs> and I just didn't... I liked biology, but not enough to work in it forever. So I retrained as a journalist, and... Uh, specialized actually in in freelance journalism because i knew that i wanted to travel and pitch articles when i was away and uh that's pretty much what i'm doing now so writing about travel and about uh outdoor sports like hiking and camping and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. if somebody wanted to get into that field you know what would your advice to them be I think uh, you need to have a lot of resilience and you need to be really proactive. Those are two very important things because sometimes I'm, I, you, know, you have to reach out to people. Not People aren't going to come to you if you want to work to start doing that. And uh, a lot of the time it could be 10, 15 pitches to different magazines. And you don't hear back from any of them or you may only hear back from one. So you need to get a bit of a hard skin and keep doing that and pitching. But then it, you know, it takes time. Once you start building those contacts, it gets better and better and the longer you do it, the easier it is and you know, the more rewarding it is because you mm-hmm. get a better contact base and that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think so. also on top of that, there's a, there's a chance that one of these other magazines sees your name and your mm-hmm. article in another magazine and is like, oh, I want a perspective from that person as well. Yeah. And then you start getting an opportunity to be in more places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for, for writing I, as well, I... I started like a lot of people do doing a blog that was the first thing for me and that's good to cut your teeth on writing and then I also again like a lot of remote remote workers do I did Fiverr and Upwork Mm -hmm. which was great for getting clients to come to you and I think that's a good starting point but you know you lose stuff money through commission and mm-hmm. it's um you know fiber. you're working a lot for not yeah, a lot of money. Yeah, so, you're basically pushing a rock uphill yeah it's a good place to start but not not stay there for forever but, mm-hmm. so but I, I think a lot that. of these things especially anything entrepreneurial you have to like build your portfolio yeah and you have to prove to people why they should give you their money mm-hmm. so if you're just coming at it with zero experience and you've never written you know website copy before you've never done any yeah. of this stuff you've never written an article like, why would anybody pay you to do that? Yeah, it'd be impossible, really. <laughs> yeah. Jumping in at the deep end. Yeah. yeah. What would be, like, the pinnacle for you? What would be the thing? What are you striving to get to in journalism? Like, what would be the magazine or the thing that would be, like, the the perfect job or the, like, man, I made it? The life goal is to get a book published, is to be a, a, a novelist, travel books. Um that is what I will work towards for as many years as it takes. Um, even if it's, it's going to be a hard journey, but I want to do that more than anything else. And that, you know, if I get a book, travel book published, I'll consider that my like ultimate goal. Kind of like Paul Theroux or Colin Thibber on any of those guys who do those sort of longer form adventure 
travel books mm -hmm. but i would also love to be able to write for the bigger magazines like national geographic and to be going on because they they really focus on storytelling and that is one of the things i'm most interested in in journalism is when you get those feature articles that really get to grips for these incredible travel stories where you 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 feel like you're almost reading a, a novel rather than maybe like travel advice or something like that mm -hmm. it's, it's it's a story mm -hmm. and um that's my favorite kind of writing and that would also be amazing to write for them. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. Yeah, we're all about the storytelling. We do it in a yeah. little bit different of a manner because we're doing videography type of stuff <laughs> and trying to tell a story through, you know, like our YouTube videos. But yeah, I totally get what you're saying that when somebody could like really capture your your mind and, and your emotion and your emotion and allow you to like feel like allow them to feel like they're on the journey with you, mm -hmm. like they're sitting next to you in the passenger seat. Or they're like, you know, walking down that beach or standing on top of the mountain, whatever it is, you know, if you could make them feel like they're standing there next to you, that's like the best thing that you could do when it comes to storytelling. That's something special, yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Mm -hmm. And we're we're trying very hard to get there ourselves right now and you know, it's definitely like like you said, it's a you know, this thing that you're always building. Like you're always working to get better at it. Yeah. But yeah. Of where where can people find like um, your journalism and or like your blog? Like, do you still have a blog or no? Yeah, I still have a blog. It's called uh, Matt Walk Wild. So Walk Wild was like my kind of brand that I was focusing on, and mainly I'm posting on um, Instagram my photos of the trip and that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I've also been writing on my blog a bit and some YouTube videos. Uh, just you know documenting I think there's going to be a lot of footage at the end I'll probably try and do some videos from that as well but uh, yeah mainly uh, just posting my writing on, on those platforms very cool yeah we'll definitely have everything in the links below in the show notes so that way you can find them and see his journeys I mean they've been kind of crazy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm sure that you've also hiked some really beautiful places and surfed in some really beautiful spots can you tell us about some of those yeah of course um I think a big, a big uh, highlight of one of the places we hiked was when we got to the Arctic Circle. That was just so surreal because it was all covered in snow by the time we were there. Uh, we managed to get drive the van up and hiked up to the Arctic Circle sign, and you just think you're standing on the edge of the earth. <laughs> so that was really incredible in terms of hiking. Um, also, Utah was a big highlight for me. Uh, coming from the UK, I'd never really seen. Uh, an environment or landscape like that the red rock and, and the shapes and of a zion and bryce canyon and canyon lands it was just mm -hmm. extraordinary i think we spent a good two weeks just hiking every day and, and there was also snow on it as well oh, so cool. it was this martian landscape with the white snow on top and the hiking there was just extraordinary mm -hmm. so that was a big highlight in uh in the u.s i think um yeah i think those are probably my two favorite hiking experiences mm -hmm. very cool Love that. How has Guatemala been for you? Guatemala's been excellent. I think uh, I'm hopefully going to have one of the most exciting hikes coming up in a few days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I hike up uh, Acatenango to see the Fuego erupting. So that sounds like a real highlight. But uh, I went to Tikal, which was extraordinary because that was, that was a sort of hike into the jungle as well. And... Um, it, you feel like you're Indiana Jones, basically, because it's this really amazing Mesoamerican ruins and you know, right into the jungle, howler monkeys going, and you hike it at sunrise and you can climb the temple. And all you can see around you are the tops of the other temples and this 
deep, rich jungle. Oh, <laughs> it's just that sounds incredible. Super epic, yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Antigua's been a real highlight, and I love it around here as well. Looking forward to going to Lake Atalan, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Guatemala's been great. <laughs> we did one hike in Lake Atalan from uh, Pierre's place over to... Um, uh, Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz mm-hmm. and it was absolutely magnificent you're like kind of walking through these other towns while you're doing it but then all of a sudden you're walking alongside a cliff edge and you see Lake Atlantia right and all the volcanoes kind of surrounding it yeah uh, and this like beautiful like crystal blue kind of water um that you can tell just like gets really deep as it as it gets to the middle of it and um yeah it was it was incredible this lush green with uh i think there was like cornfields on the side of it in some places There's so many cornfields in guatemala this episode is brought to you by reese's peanut butter cups in breaking news leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate however it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Yeah. Everybody's yard is a cornfield. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The whole drive, it's <laughs> all, wild. All coffee plantations. Yeah. There's like the 50-50, right? Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden you get to this like amazing um, rocks, like stone cliff that is cut into stairs. Okay. And, like, you kind of climb down these, like, really cool-looking stairs, and then you walk across, like, a little river that has, like, a tiny little waterfall next to it. And then next thing you know, you're in this beautiful town of Santa Cruz that is, like, a little hustle and bustle and good food and, mm-hmm. you know, coffee and uh, cocoa because, you know, it's the land of chocolate, yeah. basically, is it, where you it's, are. It's just such a good region, isn't it? Yeah. There's, there's coffee, there's chocolate... There's volcanoes, there's crystalline lakes, oh, there's yeah. hiking, there's jungle. It's like this area is just extraordinary. Uh, it I really mean, is. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's one of the places that I didn't expect to like blow me away. And it's doing that. Mm-hmm. It's one of the places in the world that I'm like, wow. Like, yeah. I think we brought up like Lake At- Atalan several times. I was like... I could live here, but yeah. at the same time, yeah. it's kind of like, do you want to live there? Mm-hmm. But but you could you get this sense of like, I could stare at this view every day. I think people get sucked into that area mm-hmm. because there is kind of like expat communities like sparse throughout the lake, and there's you can literally find anything you want. You're gonna probably pay a little bit more for it because it had to be like imported into the lake, but like. I don't know, people just, they show up there for a week and they end up there for three years. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's just got that energy that like yeah, pulls, pulls you here. in. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's also been really interesting traveling through rainy season. And I think that, you know, we've talked to some people, especially around like Atitlan, that were like, in the dry season, everything is brown. Mm-hmm. They're, like, there's a couple of evergreens, but like, everything is basically like dead and brown and like dry. Yeah. And I feel like for us, everything has been so lush mm-hmm. and like the jungle and like that whole aspect of it. Have you had any troubles with rainy season? Because a lot of people were kind of trying to dissuade us from coming down here mm-hmm. during this time of year. And we know we've had a little bit of troubles. <clears throat> yeah. It, it, again, it's just the pros and cons, isn't it? Because like you said, it's beautiful and the landscape's amazing. And I actually find it much easier to sleep 
right now than I did when I was in Mexico uh, in the summer. From the heat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that rain you get occasionally and the, uh, clouding at night makes it so much easier to sleep. So that's been one thing I've enjoyed. But um, I, I've only been stuck once and that was in Belize and that was during the rainy season mm -hmm. because I went to a national park, uh, Bokinwa National Park, and it's down this long rutted road and you know it all floods of course when it rains and i'd found a gap of like three days when it hadn't rained so i thought i'd go but i made it to the car park and the car park was that, that sort of soft mud and when you start slowing down you know that's when you get stuck it's you know if you're driving at sort of 20 kilometers an hour or 30 you can get through it okay mm -hmm. uh and unfortunately it was just when it was just when i was like reversing to park i backed slightly too close to the forest and just mm. sunk into the mud uh, <laughs> and you know my, i'm rear wheel drive so I, you know the wheels were just spinning and spinning in the mud <laughs> i couldn't get out and because it's off season there was no one else there there was no one in the car park so i tried to stick loads of wood and stones under the wheels to see if i could get some traction but nothing was working yeah and uh i walked over to the the lodge and luckily there were a couple of national park rangers there and they helped tow my van out using nice. their four by four. Yeah, so yeah. I managed to get out after like an hour, which is a bit of a relief. There's a couple of things that you learn when you're on the road and you're <laughs> in the wet season. One, I always try to put my driving wheels. Sounds like cool. a rough start. Yeah. That's, that oh belt. My That's God. that belt right there. <laughs> they need a new belt desperately or like a new pulley somewhere. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, so I learned a couple of things. One thing I learned is I never try to, I always try to keep my driving wheels because i'm two-wheel drive front-wheel drive um i try to keep those wheels on dry land that was my mistake yeah yeah because yeah. like I, in that situation i probably would have fronted in uh instead of backed in yeah. uh just because like we would have backed in just to try to keep the front wheels in an area where it makes it easier but there's just times where you get stuck there's mm. nothing you can do about it like you're meant to get stuck in that situation and try to figure it out you know yeah but there's always a way. It's almost like driving through Central America, rainy season's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, obviously there are going to be times when you get stuck. Yeah. But you've only been stuck once and yeah, the so rainy season's almost over. So exactly. you've kind of got You're away good. with Scott Street. <laughs> yeah, I have got away with it a bit, I think. But I'm going to Lake Atalan and you guys have got stuck there. So well, <laughs> we'll see. And the interesting part though is as you go south, the rainy season extends. Mm -hmm. So like rainy season doesn't end really to like november mm -hmm. like l maybe late november in panama or maybe even december sometimes uh well and i don't know if you've seen this some one of our followers just sent us a news article today about the main highway through costa rica is completely closed for the next three months oh really and, no i didn't and know that's that. like just happened they said that's like a generous like time like like if you think it's going to be open in three months like you know like that's probably not going to happen because they've had the rainiest rainy season Plus years of not maintaining the roads properly. Right. They had like a number of landslides. They had a bus dr like drive off a cliff and nine people died. And like, so I was trying to like look like which roads, like I have the article, I could send it to you, but like which numbers of roads are they saying are closed? Cause there's a couple of them that are actually like, mm -hmm. you know, Screwed. shut down. It's surprising. You'd think Costa Rica was one of the Central American countries that had more money to Fixed roads sure like but i think their money is like very uh uh centric to certain areas like you know it's not the whole country it's more like specific pods mm -hmm. well i think that's almost every country yes even the united states like <laughs> i'm sure for you being in the deep south for a while yeah you know you can see the real disparity between the nice parts of town and or like the nice 
you know, built up neighborhoods or the cities versus like the deep south. Yeah, where, it's wildly different. Yeah. yeah, like you're saying, there's still like boats and trees from hurricanes two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. There, like, nobody's putting money there, and America's like the richest economy. Yeah, exactly. I'm wondering if a lot of the roads that are still open are the ones that are like, here's a river crossing that you have to yeah. go through. Or if it's like a road that is, you know, is it like the C1A, the Pacific Coast Highway? But I heard that the Pacific Coast Highway. Uh, it's like is the main Pan American Highway yeah. is apparently so. closed for the next three months. Either wow. we have to find a way around it or. <laughs> You know, we might get stopped at a certain point and have to turn around, but we'll see. But do you guys have full... Uh, do you have equipment for off-roading and stuff? I mean, do you have, like, those tracks to get you out, and do you have... We do have tracks on the roof. Um, they One aren't of them the got best. smashed the other day trying to get out of, like, Atlanta. Well, it wasn't even us getting... It wasn't getting our van out. It was trying to get a truck out okay. that... Uh, also got stuck. Just, like, smoked on top of it, trying to, like, ride up it because it was wet and everything, and they were... They were stuck on top of it at a certain point, mm-hmm. so I was like, whatever it is, what it is. And then, so, like, one end of it is kind of broken, but, like, they're still usable. Um, and, like, for instance, I think the best way that we could use them would be if there's a dirt patch that we're coming up to, like a mud patch that we're coming up to, lay them down and then drive over the top of mm-hmm. them and then go back and pick them up instead of, like, get stuck, then try to use them. Yeah. You know, so if we could... Be more cautious. Cautious of, like, okay, let's put this one here, this one here, and then we could drive over it, Mm -hmm. and we'll have enough traction to make it through. That's how we should probably use them. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I also heard some friends that were uh, driving back the other way that we just met the other day here in uh, Antigua. Uh, They said that there was a couple roads in Costa Rica... That were so pitched and uh, their van couldn't make it up the hill uh, unless they like somebody else drove it up and they had to go back and forth with the wheel like this because we're front wheel drive once again. Yeah. So our steering wheels are the drive wheels. Yeah. So like they start to slip and you have to like go back and forth to like try to, you know, if like you were hiking up a mountain, you don't want to hike up the steepest part. No. You want to kind of go across as like you make your own switch back. Yeah. You know, and that's basically what they had to do with the van to get it up. Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. (laughs) I I mean, I have had to turn around a few times. Mm -hmm. Like you said, of looking ahead, there's been a few times where I've looked at the road and just thought, I, I can't risk that. Not today. It's just, uh, and you think, am I going to get a flat tire or am I going to get stuck? Do I have phone signal? Is anyone going to be able to tow me out? Those like all run through your head. Oh, yeah. When you look up a road and you think, nah, got to find another way around. And rainy season could cause an issue of like, even those areas that say river crossing, like in dry season, it might just be like a, you know, a stream that's like a small puddle. But in rainy season, it could be like, half your van yeah, just you know, or yeah. a quarter of your van like it it, it just becomes a lot of water mm-hmm. at a certain point yeah because we met another van lifer here who had uh, they had 4x4 four four, didn't they which is pretty interesting a 4x4 four four van that's a good addition you know to get you through the off road yeah <laughs> after this trip Alex and I have determined that the next rig that we have and we're going to do a big trip in we will definitely have four wheel drive we're still going to make sure that we're not, like, overdoing our limitations, but it is definitely an amazing feature to have. And we'll also have a winch on it because yeah. to be able to pull yourself out of a situation by using, like, a, the base of a tree or even your spare tire is is a way to get out that you might not have if you don't have that piece mm-hmm. of equipment. So, yeah, that could be really valuable. Yeah. Be really good. 
Was there anything that you were like, we need to have this for the van before we come down here? Um, well, funnily enough, my mom made me get uh, one of those uh, GPS tracker things. <laughs> so I have one of them on my head cool. in, case I, in case I was in the middle of nowhere and broke down or whatever, or I really needed help and got in trouble. <laughs> so that was one of the things. But uh, actually, it wasn't to do with uh, any kind of uh, van modification. It was just, it was a fan. A fan was the number one thing I decided to buy that I just thought to, to help me sleep properly because it was just getting so hot. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm not getting any further than Central America without a fan just so I can cool myself down when I sleep. It's amazing how like the little things yeah. become such big things when your living is like so simple. Yeah. It's like all that I need to make me happy is a fan. <laughs> I keep telling my family back home, like the fan, it's just changed changed the game and they're like, okay, I don't think they share my enthusiasm. Yeah. Only other van lifers would probably appreciate it. Oh, we totally get it. We used to not have these two fans in the back. Mm. We used to just have the front fan and we would open up the hatch. But we realized there's not nearly enough airflow and once we put those fans in it was an absolute game changer yeah. for the for the southern trip. It made us comf- very comfortable, actually, while traveling through Mexico mm-hmm. in, like, a very warm season for Mexico, so... Yeah, I mean, when you're parking and you're not in the shade, the, the metal just absorbs all the heat. Oh, yeah, and it's just, big time. Know, it Do you so have hot. solar and stuff like that? No, and actually, that's something I'm looking at installing because I think that would really help with the off-grid living. You know, if you mm-hmm. want to go somewhere in the woods or, you know, national park, whatever, and stay for a few days, you can. Um... I think I have one of those um, the uh, Jackery battery bank, which mm-hmm. can charge from my van while I'm driving, and that's good. But you can also link them to solar panels. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know if you guys have solar panels on here. Mm-hmm. Do yeah, that's a, that's a really good addition that I want to get installed. Yeah. yeah. We did car life for like a week in uh, Washington. We were like okay. waiting for the van, mm-hmm. and the hardest thing was still trying to like work and like have a laptop and like because like if you're writing or whatever like. But then you have no battery, so now mm-hmm. you have to, like, find a coffee shop, or you have to, like, go to the library, or you have to, you know, yeah. have to, like, be somewhere that you could plug in, so you can't just be, like, out in the middle of this beautiful forest mm-hmm. and, like, be working off-grid as, like, a digital nomad or whatever, because yeah. you can't plug in anywhere. Yeah, that, I, I actually, that links back to what I was saying earlier about how I thought van life was harder, because I found it really difficult to work when I first started, because I'd been working remotely before the trip, but then also when I was in the van, it was almost impossible. And I basically just went to libraries or cafes a lot of the time in North, uh, in North America for Wi-Fi and for charge. Because sometimes when, before, we, before I bought the battery bank, Jackery, I just had my laptop, which I'd charge through the, like, the cigarette lighter, basically, when yeah. we're driving. And, you know, my laptop would run out with a few, in a few hours if you're editing or working. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's, it's pretty useless and you I- get really uncomfortable and, you know. So you need to get a system, I think. <laughs> I, I would say you would love a van like this because you have, we have several different ways to charge it. If you're parked up and you have no sun, we could plug in. Mm-hmm. And you're, you always have power and you could, you could chill in your van or in your space. Uh, when we're driving, we charge as well as we get solar. Um, so, yeah, we're pretty much always have power. Unless we're kind of in a spot for like five or six days. And it's gloomy. And it's really gloomy. Mm-hmm. Or we're like blocked by like a tree um, where we're not pulling in solar. Yeah. And that'd be pretty unlikely for all those things to happen, I guess. You know, yeah. Most of the time you can Yeah, like have... even being in the situation we're in right now, if we really needed, we could run an extension cord inside mm-hmm. and like 
hook it up and then charge the van for an hour or two and then unhook, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, I wish I'd done some more modifications like that because I, I guess you have a heater in here, do you? Yeah. So we also don't have a heater in our van. So it was on minus 20. And there's in... chili. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was minus 20 in Canada. And I just remember I'd wake up and I'd have my blanket over my face and my breath had just frozen over my blanket. And the whole inside of the van is just shining because the condensation just freezes on the metal. Oh, and wow. it was It's insulated, but not, you know, we did some insulation, but not Four. as much as what a, he a heater would bring in. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's another thing I, <laughs> I wish I'd installed. I guess, like, because you bought the van with the intention of doing this one big road trip, was it kind of like, oh, well, we're only going to be in this van for one year, two years? Like, I'm not sure what your time frame is, but it's like we don't need a full, like, kitted out, like, complete build, the time, the money, like, it's just not worth it mm. if we're only going to be in the van for X amount of time. And then, like, is your plan probably to sell the van when you get to the bottom? Yeah, it was, it's definitely to do with uh, the, the time we had. I think I was really itching to get going. And like I said, it was to do with winter. So either I made it up to the Arctic or I postponed till spring. Uh, and if I'd had to stay in one place and work on the van, then it would have been spring. And I just really wanted to get going. So that was one aspect. But to be honest, it was also budget. You know, mm -hmm. it's expensive. Yeah. A trip like this is expensive and there's no getting away from that. And doing all the modifications, it can just rack up in thousands and thousands. And I just really wanted to do this trip. And I thought I'll have to do it on a bit more of a bare bones budget. And I knew that. And... I didn't know, I'm hoping to sell the van in South America, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to because there's some legal issues with it. You have to be careful with how you, if you're importing it and mm. selling it, it can be a real headache. So I didn't want to invest loads and get stuck with a van, not be able to sell it. And uh, it just made more sense to do it, you know. Is there, is there like a site or a way to sell the van possibly to somebody who wanted to, say, fly to Chile and then do the trip the opposite direction. Do you get what I'm saying? Because yeah. I feel like that might be the best benefit because, like, one thing we talked about about our travels, I don't know if this is similar for yours, but as you're traveling south, like, we're going further away from our home, from, like, the home of the United States mm -hmm. or Canada and away from our family. So you guys we're, are driving back up. Well, again, we're yeah. driving south to Panama, but then driving back. But what I'm saying, as you drive south, you get this feeling of like, holy shit, I'm getting far away. Mm -hmm. Where if you're driving towards it, you're like, oh, I'm going home. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like this different feeling that you have um, going one way or the other. So there are quite a few people now that are thinking, thinking about it and like, well, maybe I'll just fly to Chile or ship my van to Chile and then drive up. So is there yeah. possibly something that you could look into that might be like where you could sell the rig to somebody who's and make it where it's not uh, like it's more legal of a sale, I guess you could say. Yeah. That, uh, well, it was definitely on my mind. I didn't know whether I was going to fly to Chile or to America or Canada. You know, I didn't know which way around to do it either. Yeah. Uh, but the reason I chose Canada was just because I thought the, the vans might be better up there. But that there wasn't really any reasoning behind that. I just thought, why not? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think I actually had a Polish guy uh, a couple of weeks ago who I, he took my number because he said he might want to do that. Cool. So he, he's like, he told me to message him. But I think you get Facebook groups where you might be able to do it. I think the Pan American Highway Facebook group mm -hmm. is really good for that. And if you put, we're trying to sell, you post it on there and 
people might be able to help you out that's that's at least what my plan is going to be i think mm. start on those forums and see if anyone's interested in doing their trip in reverse and then yeah. have to paint in the map that i've done on the side <laughs> back the other way <laughs> or they just use a different color to go yeah. the other way exactly it's on the side of your line yeah <laughs> well guys if you buy it don't go through monterey <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. I love that. Well, if you had any advice for somebody who is about to get on the road, who is about to travel and do something similar to what you were doing, like what would that if you could tell your earlier self a couple things, what would you what would you tell yourself? I think uh it, it seems overwhelming the amount of things you have to organize for a trip like this, and the truth is that you can't do everything and you can't organize everything, and eventually you're just going to have to make that you're going to have to commit to it and just figure out things along the way because I'm a big planner and I just worried and worried about planning all this stuff and so many things I planned didn't even you know turn out the way I expected them anyway and I think you just sort of got to embrace that this is what the adventure's like so don't stress over it and don't stress over the small stuff because that's also what I would tell my past self because I really stressed over all these small things at the start and you do just have to go with the flow and just let the trip unfold and you know don't get down if all these small things build up and uh yeah i think that'd be the most important thing cool well thank you so much for coming on the show thanks for uh, having me guys yeah absolutely <laughs> we're gonna have all your links down below for your blog and everything like that um and maybe somebody's gonna want to buy chili yeah. you know maybe we can hook you up with somebody yeah uh, you can buy chili in chili how about that <laughs> i mean it Come doesn't on, get any the perfect sale yeah. if, if we get there fingers crossed yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll get there don't worry uh but yeah man thank you so much we really appreciate it it's been an absolute pleasure meeting you and i know that we'll have at least a couple more days and we might even hike the mountain together exactly. we'll see how it all works out penning paco over here but uh but yeah you know, if you guys want to see who Matt is, maybe I'll have him in the video of hiking up the mountain. So thank you again for coming on the show. Thanks, Appreciate guys. it.